At the close of the spring of my sophomore year in high school, there was an event that literally challenged the United States. It wasn't a war, though we were in the midst of, at that time, what was known as the Vietnam conflict. It wasn't about that. It was about something that was, seemed to be unfixable. On April the 21st, at just a little bit past 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Apollo 13 took off from Cape Canaveral, headed to a mission to the moon. Looking forward, as the astronauts were, to a successful, if you will, a rewind of Apollo 11, which was just celebrated its 50th anniversary. But Apollo 13 didn't make it to the moon. There was a problem. And when the head of the three astronauts spoke back to Houston, he said, Houston, we have a problem. I don't know if he said it that calmly or not, because we're not privy to that. All we know is that the depiction of that was later made into a movie, Apollo 13. But if it was me, I don't know if I would have said calmly, Houston, we have a problem. What was unknown to the astronauts and everyone else that was in flight command... The Apollo 13 was just beyond the halfway point to its destination, the moon. And in the command module, there were two tanks that held liquid oxygen. Unbeknownst to anybody else, in tank number two, there was a problem. And the manufacturer of that tank, now you have to understand that to rebuild another space shuttle to go, it doesn't happen overnight. These tanks were made, were created in a year and a half prior to the takeoff. And in the manufacturing of these tanks, (laughs) tank number two, was dropped, and it hit the ground. Not from a huge vantage point, but it only fell two inches, and yet it it hit the ground, and in hitting the ground, it destroyed or fused together a very important key component inside the tank that regulates the temperature. They tested the tank to make sure there were no leaks and there wasn't. And so they were confident that this tank could be loaded into the aircraft that was to take off, the rocket that was to take off, the command module, sitting right next to tank number one. They thought everything was secure. What also happened was there was a change in the voltage that 
was not dictated to an individual. They went from 25 volts to 65 volts. And the individual part of the company that was their responsibility of making sure of that change, they didn't get that information. Again, not thinking or not going over information they should have, they, they built Apollo 13, loaded the three astronauts, and then they heard the word, we have ignition. And off it went. Everything was going smooth until, again, just beyond halfway, flight command told one of the astronauts to ignite or turn on a fan inside tank number two in order to stir it so that the oxygen in that tank could be warmed up so that it would be useful for a number of different things. One being life support, obviously. The other being the ability to fire rockets when it needed to. When the astronaut reacted to that and he pressed the button, the chain reaction of non-communicated situations produced inside that tank a bomb. The tank just didn't erupt by creating a leak. It exploded. And when it exploded, it ripped off part of the command module. So devastated was that that the three astronauts had to make their way from the command module and get into the lunar landing and close the door. After the astronauts, by God's grace, made it back home, the investigation began as to what caused the problem. The problem wasn't what was said. The problem was what was not being said. And without that warning, Apollo 13 was destined for destruction. We find ourselves in James chapter 3. In Houston, we have a problem. James chapter 3 begins with a warning when James says, don't be looking for places of teaching if you're not prepared to take that place. James is writing, as we have seen before, James is writing to a group of new believer Christians established in the first century church, James himself being the head of the Jerusalem church, is preaching this message and he's warning them, don't desire a position that you're not prepared to take. He says, why? Why? 
because we, those who teach, are under greater judgment. But I liked verse 2. Because James becomes real when he says, for we all stumble in many things. <laughs> Aren't you glad that Jimmy didn't say, for you struggle? <laughs> he said, we all struggle in many things. And the many things he's talking about, he's introducing from verse 3 to verse 12. The problem of speech. <laughs> and I'm here to say this morning too, dear people, it's this. Sometimes one of the greater problems is what we don't say. Oh, if you're like me and and I trust I'm not rowing this boat alone because it's kind of lonely and it gets weary, but we've all said things that we wished we didn't say. But I find myself, as the older I get, realizing, you know what, there's some things that I should have said that I didn't. That impacted me, that's why this morning, I want to thank the uh, Jeff and Diane in the back who are, when everything runs right and everything's kind of great, we forget that they're back there. But when this don't work right and this all of a sudden goes, and I'm not going to do it, we all look back there saying, it's your fault, don't we? We have instrumentalists. That's why I want. That's one of the reasons why I wanted them to play, so that we can appreciate them. I think too often in church, we don't use the positive thought of speech in order to encourage one another. Now, please, whatever you do. As Nancy and I are at that back door, we're not looking for accolades. But we ought to be sharing that amongst each other. And James says, we got a problem. Because what should be happening isn't happening in the church. Let me, uh, again, I find myself as a mummy. I'm wrapped for time. But let me at least read and we'll try to get through some of this. Verse 3. Oh, let's go back to verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If, if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. How, see how great a forest 
a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among the members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by, and I hate to tell you people, it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring bring forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? And can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. If you have been with us since the beginning of this particular uh, course of study in the book of James, you realize that in chapter 1, James sets forth the thesis of different subjects he wants to speak about. And in chapter 1, in verse 26, an interesting word that James says is this, if anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religious is useless. <laughs> In other words, our production of who we are is really more determined about what we say. And James says, if you're fooling yourself, if you think you've got it all made and you can't control your tongue. I like what Dr. Tony Evans has to say concerning this passage, especially when he says, we have dynamite in our dentures. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. In your study guide there this morning, if you wish to just jot a few notes, we're not going to get to the end of it. We'll try our best to incorporate other things as we get through. But you've come to realize that our speech has the power to direct the rest of our life. It has that power. It says, if anyone does not stumble in speech... He is a perfect, and we know in the context of James, he's talking about maturity. Those who can control their tongues, he says, are able to control the whole rest of the body. And he gives two illustrations. Both of them are focused on the exact same application. A 1,500-pound horse 
can be controlled by a hundred-pound rider because of just a little piece of steel that's in the horse's mouth. There's nothing wrong periodically to view a documentary on the Midwest and you see these herds of wild horses running so free, their manes and their tails are straight out in the wind and their manes are flapping and we say, oh, how majestic is that? But do you realize that they're not controlled? Thus, they're called wild horses. But when one of them is corralled and is given a bridle, all of a sudden that horse becomes subject to somebody else. Whether you're 100 pounds or whether you are at 258, you can control a massive animal that prior to that was uncontrollable. The second illustration is similar, but it has a different aspect, if you will. For it talks about a great ship that is driven by the wind. But that ship is under the control of a little rudder. I I did some research, and it's a very interesting uh, documentary if you want to watch it. The Building of the Titanic. To realize that the Titanic had three um, propellers. Made out of bronze, each one weighing over 30 tons, driven by four main engines that are provided power from each engine having six boilers to its own to create steam in order to turn a shaft to spin those 30-ton propellers. But yet, there was only one rudder. The ship was controlled by one man who was given orders by one captain. I think you all know where I'm going with this. The oarsman, or helmsman, excuse me, was given orders by the captain for a particular direction. And as massive and as powerful as those propellers were, they were subjected to the voice of the captain 
through the helmsman in order to direct that massive ship. Both a horse and a boat, a ship, are being controlled. One is raw power being subdued, subjected, in order to create the most beautiful jumping animal in the equestrian world. The other one is directed by the captain. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. That's you. And all God wants to do to us is to take that which is raw power to make us of instruments of beauty for his cause. We need to be sensitive to the captain. But we find ourselves in the next illustration too often, don't we? A fire. A fire. Mrs. O'Leary's cow has taken a lot of heat. <laughs> Maybe it's because in 1871 the cow created a lot of heat. It was that cow that kicked over a lantern that started what is known as the Chicago Fire by one cow doing what cows do, kicked. Some of you unfarmers have no idea what that's like. I've been kicked by a few cows. Amen, Dale? Yeah, amen. They don't like you in there some days. They got other things on their mind. You go in there with a milking machine, and they're saying, you ain't staying long. They kick you out. This cow, in its daily routine, decided it didn't want to have done what yesterday was done. It wanted a change of life. And it kicked. And a great portion of the city of Chicago suffered the consequences. We've seen in TV the effects of uncontrolled forest fires that have consumed millions of acres. And they come to find out that it was all begun by one spark. Sometimes from a campfire. I'm going to see how old you all are. Only you can prevent uh, amen. 
I love you, Smokey Bear. The tongue. The problem is, is it's described by James as the fact that it is untamable by man. You've all been to circuses or at least maybe have seen one on TV. Always amazed that the horses all gallop the same way so that the ladies who are standing on them don't fall off. It's even more amazing when an individual who willingly goes into a cage and all surrounding him are these animals who are looking at him thinking A1. Right before me is my dinner. And yet they all seem to be directed and commanded by him, tameable, if you will, until once in a while, Mrs. O'Leary's cow kicks again. Then it's tragic. I don't know why. I've, I've, I've watched some documentaries about Africa but, I, but I've never seen wild elephants in a herd grab each other's tail and march in a straight line. But they do that in a circus. We can tame them. M- most of you know that I have a goldfish tank in my office. Children are welcome to come and See the fish. Can we feed the fish? Yeah, they'd love it. Every morning I walk in, I turn the light on, and those crazy fish come to the front of the tank and go to the top. Who have they really trained? (laughs) They want to be fed. I feed them, and down to the tank they go, they swim, and periodically I look over, and here they are at the side of the tank looking at me, say, uh, round two? Even goldfish can be trained. But what cannot be trained, James says, is our tongues. So the question arises is this, are we hopeless no. We'll come back next week, Lord willing. And we'll give you the hope to that. That's what chapter 3, beginning at verse 13 to the end of the chapter, talks about. If you really want to know how to control the tongue, James says, I got the answer. But remember I began this by saying it is dangerous of things that we do say, but it's also clasmitic when things that we should say, we don't. I stand before all of you this morning and I want you to know something. I want you to know of how much 
We appreciate all of you. We don't all do the same thing. And I'm glad we don't. You've got gifts and talents that I do not have. And quite frankly, I don't want. Our children have said, Dad, why don't you build some bunk beds so that when all the children come, 24 of them, oh, good Lord have mercy, when they all come to the house in January, it'd be a whole lot easier. And I said, that's why I don't build them. (laughs) But I did look it up. Easy plans to build bunk beds. And I looked at that and I said, you've got to be kidding me. I would probably be easier to build a nuclear reactor than for me to try to build bunk beds. And I'm not asking any of you to build me bunk beds. I'm, that's not the issue. I'm just sharing with you that I can't do things that you can do. I can't bake a cottage cheese pie like Betty Larkin. And I want to tell you something, people, as I told her this morning. If we, if she would bake that for communion, you'd all come front to the altar, get right with Jesus, so you could have a second shot at it. Because <laughs> that was unbelievable. No one, at least I haven't found, can make tapioca pudding like this young lady over here. When Miss Bev, and I love it, she says, Pastor Doug, I made tapioca. I'm right on it. I can't do that. That's why I appreciate all of you. I appreciate Jeff and Diane this morning. Things ran well. I appreciate the worship team this morning. I appreciate the instrumentalists. I appreciate the ushers. I would like to see us here at Grace Community Church start to use our tongues to encourage. To be conduits of blessing instead of commanders of cursing. I think that's what James is getting at. It's the unspoken that needs to be communicated. Yes, animals and ships can be controlled. But the dynamic is this, dear people. As we close with just this one thought, and I'm already five minutes over, is this. In order to control that, which God has given us to be a directive in our lives, It all depends on who are we listening to. You read it, James chapter 3, begin at verse 13 to the end of the chapter. That's the key. Let's pray. Father, time has escaped us, but eternity is in your hands.
And I pray, O oh God, that uh, this morning that would be a determination of us to begin using the smallest part of our body, which seems to be that which controls the most of our body, our tongue. May we use our tongues more for conduits of blessing than command centers for cursing. May you receive the honor and the glory and the power because you alone are worthy. I'm going to praise you in your name. Amen.